thank you for a huge year on the Words and Nerds podcast. In 2021, the podcast had more than 250 conversations with authors, publishers, agents, booksellers, podcasters, and other amazing bookish people in approximately 200 episodes. There are three spin-offs, Ben Hobson's Burgers, Beers and Books, Josie Layton's A Different Page, and Nathan J. Phillips's The Regular Takeover. We had 22 takeover guests and growing, a summer series takeover, a NaNoWriMo series, crossovers, and the incredibly popular Publishing Insider series. The podcast appeared at literary festivals. We hosted live streams at bookshops for book launches, including the much-loved Four Continents for Critics. This holiday series is all about you, the listeners. Enjoy the most listened-to episodes of 2021 to get you through the holiday period. Stay safe and read more books. Danny, Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, <laughs> Thanks, right. Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so yeah. true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I can like, edit that bit out, I can do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Welcome to the Words and Nerds live stream Four Continents, Four Critics, Favourite Crime Novels for 2021, Part 2. I'm your crime-loving host, Danny V. After popular demand, this brainchild of our friend Craig Sisterson is back. Last time, the big discovery for many of us was S.A. Cosby's Blacktop Wasteland, and I'm eagerly waiting the new one, Razorblade Tears, which is on order currently for me. Since our last live stream, I also discovered Paul Cleave and have recently read The Quiet People, which is my crime recommendation for day for today. Welcome crime lovers watching live. The video will be available on the Facebook page afterwards if you weren't able to catch it now, also available as a podcast episode. But we love to see you live. So if you are watching, please use the comments, interact with us, tell us what you think, give us your fave crime novel picks, comment on the ones that our wonderful critics are talking about. I'd love to read out your thoughts. Without much ado, because we've only got an hour to crack through as many favourite crime novels as possible, can I welcome my critics to introduce them. Here they are. 
<laughs> it's lovely to see you all again. <laughs> now, first up, we have Craig Sisterson representing Oceana, Australasia. Craig is a features writer and legal journalist for NZ Listener and Good Reading Australia. How are you, Craig? You're on mute. <laughs> it's not a Zoom meeting. Someone's on mute. <laughs> That's all right. I just had to like practice my lines before I went live. No, I'm very good. Thanks, Danny. It's always a pleasure to talk about great books with great people. And we have some amazing people here with us today. So I'm really oh, excited. We do. Super, super excited. Next up, return critic Io Onatade representing UK Europe. Io is a CWA Red Herring Award winning freelance crime fiction critic and commentator. Welcome back, Io. Lovely to see you. Thank you so much. I had a lovely time last time we did this and I'm really looking forward to the books again this time around. Me too. I can't wait to see what I'll discover this time. And welcoming back again, probably at a slightly better time this time, Sonia. I remember it was 1am last time for you. Uh, Sonia Funder-Vesthazen representing South Africa. Sonia is a reviewer for print and online publications in UK and South Africa, regular contributor on Crime Fiction Lover website and Naya Marsh Awards Judge 2021. Welcome back. Thank you, Danny. It's nice being back. And I'm very excited to, to share everything with you and we'll hear what everyone else has to say. Yeah. So, yes. And to see if we have any crossovers, because last time we had a couple of little hmm. bingos, didn't we? That was fun. I'm waiting for those. <laughs> Me too. We'll say bingo. And for the more whammies. That's it. And for the first time joining us as a new critic, Alex Segura representing North America. Alex is a contributor to Best American and Mystery and Suspense. So lovely to welcome you today to our live stream. Thanks for having me. Now, Alex is also an amazing crime novelist who people should really oh. get all <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I was going to say I write, I write books mostly. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a critic, but I, I do read a lot, so I have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> and we love, we love those opinions. <laughs> That's great. Now, like I said, we've got an hour to crack through this. We're going to try and have a little bit of structure, but I'm sure there'll be lots of conversation, which is the fun part. And while you're talking, I'm not, you know, checking my socials. I'm just checking the comments, all right, to see if anyone's wanting to chip in as well. So I'm going to be one of those people who'd give you the, the wind up if you're going too long, like at the Oscars or the Logies, so we can crack on with as many books as possible. But I'll try really hard not to be the fun killer all right so uh let's go craig you're up first let's do this oh really oh okay <laughs> why not, why not? I was, <laughs> look at io's reaction i tell you what i i'm i'm not gonna do the one you think i'm gonna do oh <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna do the one you're gonna presume that i'm gonna do and we thought we were gonna fight over because we fought over the same <laughs> author last like last time <laughs> yeah yeah I was expecting to go last, so I assumed I was going to snake me again anyway. Um, so, but, so, but I'm actually not going to. I'm going to go with a different American author who I've discovered for the first time for myself this year, though I had heard of them before. And this is a book called Dead of Winter by Stephen Mac Jones. Now, Stephen Mac Jones is an outstanding kind of literary crime novelist from the Detroit area. And he has a series starring August Snow, who's an ex-Marine and an ex um, Detroit cop, but he's now kind of a, he's kind of a private investigator. He's not really licensed or anything, but he kind of investigates things on the behalf of his community in Mexican town, which is kind of a combination of a black population and Mexican population in Detroit. And 
This is the third in the August Snow series. It was the first I read. It came out this year. It's called Dead of Winter. And basically, August gets called in to try and help a local company that's in trouble. They're getting strong-armed by some people who want to buy out the company. The owner's dying. He wants to leave it to his kids in the community, but he's worried about all this things going on. August starts kind of investigating that. And it's just a terrific novel. Stephen is a beautiful writer. He writes beautiful sentences. He writes beautiful paragraphs and chapters. He writes exciting action. Um, and it, it, it's kind of, it's dark and there's some violence and there's lots of humour too. You'll laugh, but you'll also be kind of like tense at other times. It's just a brilliant, brilliant book. So much so that as all of us, I think, we read so much during a year that we don't get a chance to read a lot of the same author in a year because you're always reading so many other people. I immediately went and bought previous two books in the series and read all three within a month, even though I had awards judging and other things to do. He's that good. Stephen McJones, dead winner. Check it out. There you oh. go, Io. I'm open for you. Is that going to be my new essay, uh, Cosby, Craig? <laughs> uh, he's like, he's another outstanding African-American oh, writer. I highly recommend him. All right, Io, you're next. He didn't steal your book, did he? Well, no, he didn't, actually. I was keeping my fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> and... I have got to say that my book, my favourite book so far, well, one of my favourite books, and it's going to be on my favourite list, is Sean Crosby's second book, Raise a Bit, oh, Raise a Bit Tears. I can't wait. That's the one I thought she would think I was going to do. <laughs> yes, I was thinking my fingers crossed, hoping that Craig wasn't going to mention it. It's outstanding. And as much as I love Blacktop Wasteland, I think this is even better. Wow. Yes. Wow. And it's about... Um, two guys, one black, one white, they're both gay, and they get married to each other and they get killed. And you've got the fathers and the fathers themselves are not too good. And you, this, you've got this story of how the fathers are trying to sort out their own feelings about their, their son's um, sexuality, their own feelings towards each other, and also trying to find out who murdered their children. Wow. In some ways, it's incredibly harrowing, but in some ways, it's, so, it's also so well written. And it's not often that I find an author that has written two books, one after each other, that actually knocks my socks off. And we've um, Razor Blade Tears with Sean Cosby, definitely. And I didn't, will say to anybody, if you haven't picked any of the books up, please do so. It's getting so much love on social media as well. Like I think once you pick up a, a Cosby book, people are just obsessed with it. So I can't wait to raise the especially just I knew nothing about it. I like to not read blurbs. I like to just go be surprised. But now what you've said about it, oh, my heart, can't wait. Sonia. I just, I, can I just add one line since I left the door open for IO for that? Because I was going to open with Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Greg. A, a friend of mine, uh, Professor Liam McElvaney, who's also an incredibly fine crime writer, um, he's a Scotsman in New Zealand, um, actually shared the listener article that I wrote about Sean this week. It's being published down in New Zealand, so I haven't seen it, you know, in person. Um, and it reminded me, because I actually wrote it about three or four months ago when I did the interview, that I used a line which I really liked, is that he is ferociously poetic. As Sean Cosby yes, is He writes brilliant, brilliant prose that's just so much energy but there's beauty amongst the violence and, mm. just, uh, and then what's what's better than that 
I'm just going to head to socials before we head to Sonia. Um, we've got a, Ashley, you know, is loving the Nancy's or Nancy business, of course, and we've talked about uh, RWR's fabulous novel there. We've got a number of people who are like, yes, I'm reading Razorblade Tears, loving it. That's Janet and Linda. And Kirsten is also looking forward to Razorblade Tears as well. We've got a couple of people um, tuning in from rainy Auckland and uh, people going on walks as well as they're listening. So that's pretty cool too. So got a few people chipping in and I'll keep updating us as we go along. Sonia, you are up. Yes. Um, I think I'm going to start with one that's an obvious choice for me. And I have a suspicion Craig and I might have it on their list. I'm going to be a bit sneaky, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, and that's Femi Coyote's Light Seekers. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so who has it? <laughs> Hand up? It's okay, a bingo. <laughs> so, um, yes, those of you who haven't heard of this yet, um, it's a Nigerian author, and it's set in Nigeria, obviously, where three students are burned to death by an angry mob. And um, this isn't a, a who done it, but a why done it, because um, there's a, a psychologist um, that's been asked by one of the fathers to investigate the case and is also an uh, expert in crowd control or in crowd behavior at least. So we, do, we know who killed them, we don't know why. Um, and then the question is asked, what leads to people taking the law in their own hands and what are the underlying issues which cause them to do this? Um, it's a wonderfully written book. Um, it's atmospheric. It's very tense. It, it's tension builds up throughout the novel. And it's quite a, it's more than 400 pages, but it's an easy read despite the topics. Um, and I think that takes some skill to do. Um, I love his writing style and I'm really looking forward to what's next. Um, I don't know, Craig and I, if you want to add to that. <laughs> Can I just say, I read it, but it's not on my list. But for me, when I read it, it reminded me so much of my period of living in Nigeria and some of the, yeah. you know, the nuances of the way people behave towards each other, lack of electricity, having to bribe people when you want to get things done. And that made me laugh intensely. But It, rem it reminded me of your time there too, for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it too. I <laughs> I, I I blurred the book. I was so I felt so like I'd gotten a gift when I got to read it early. It was really fantastic. Yeah, all four of us have read that one. And like, yeah. yeah. And I love the fact of a why done it. I think that would be very difficult to write because that why done it has to be really compelling. Yeah. Um, now, just before we head to you, Alex, we've just got um, some people asking about authors and books, but we will post all the books that we talk about at the end. So don't worry if you miss them. We'll post them at the end, uh, who spoke about which book as well. And, of course, it'll be available, uh, this episode, podcast and live stream. Alex, let's head to you. Well, I, it's interesting. I'm learning about the the shell game involved here as the rookie, and I'm, I'm trying to see if I can hold my own. I had Razorblade Tears on my list, and I'll, I guess I'll talk about it a bit later. And I didn't have – I didn't have – I didn't have light seekers on my list, but it, I loved it as well. It's just, it was, it's hard to pare it down to uh, just five books, but um, the one uh, that I want to talk about is uh, the other black girl by Zakia Dalila Harris, which is a debut if I'm not mistaken. And it's a workplace uh, thriller and it's set in publishing, which um, 
I find entertaining to just get a sneak peek into that world, which I'm also a part of in my day job. But um, her writing style is really evocative and it doesn't feel like, you know, it, it's such a cliche that it doesn't feel like a debut, but it feels very, you know, very measured and thoughtful. And it's, it's about uh, a woman, a black woman who works, starts working in publishing, which is obviously, you know, as, as we all know, very imbalanced in terms of racial makeup. And um, she befriends another coworker and it turns out that that coworker becomes the darling of the office. And, uh, it's, you know, she, the, the protagonist starts getting these very threatening notes and it just kind of spirals from there. But she, uh, the author really builds tension. Well, I found myself reading it very quickly, which is always a good sign. Like, you know, I'm just a very obsession driven reader. If I'm not really into it and I put it down, that means I'm not that into it. It's just very instinctual for me. So, um, I read it in a couple of days. I thought she did a fantastic job and, um, uh, I'm excited for whatever she's working on next. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Alex. I think because we read as a group so much, I don't know how many books you guys read, but it's, it's a lot. And I think you know now, you know if this book is going to grab you. And if you have to keep saying to yourself, oh, I've got to read that book, I've got to read that book, it's very different from the one you just need to power through, right? And that feeling is just, you can't replace that feeling of I have to finish this book. I love that. Yeah, when it, when it jumps outside of homework and you start feeling it, reading it for pleasure, even if it is homework quote-unquote like a blurb or a, a review or something you know that's unbeatable and it, it really that's why we got into this I think as readers yeah absolutely now we've got someone on the live stream I'm glad we're so influential here Mitchell is downloading um, razor blade teeth on audiobook as we speak so I think he's off the live stream now and he's reading the book so <laughs> enjoy <laughs> it's like what we like to hear <laughs> don't blame you uh, Janet said she read The Other Black Girl uh, a few months ago on NetGalley without knowing anything about it. She said, wow, thanks, Alex, for recommending that. Amazing. Um, Rose, I can't see a bookshelf without trying to identify all the books. So you do that. Put it in the comments. I'll tell you, let you know if you're right. Craig's might be a bit more difficult to see there. <laughs> yeah, <it's a> <laughs> and um, got some other people listening from all over the world. So that is fantastic. Loving it. Craig, book number two. Hmm. Looking down at my list because I, I cut a few have gone already. Um, but obviously, how will the dominoes fall? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's another. There's another couple I have that I think other people will have, so I might leave those for other people too. Um, I'm going to go with Hotel Cartagena by Simone Buchholz, who's a German author, translated by the fabulous Rachel Ward. And this is the latest in the Chastity Riley series. And Chastity Riley is a public prosecutor in Hamburg, Germany. So kind of the equivalent to a DA in America when we've all seen on American television and stuff like that. But she actually kind of heads along to the crime scenes and is very active from the very beginning in a lot of cases with the police. So effectively, she's kind of hand in hand with some of the cops and works with them. It's a wonderful series. Um, now, this one is really interesting because it's dedicated to Alan Rickman, the great British actor, and I happened to read it on Alan Rickman's anniversary of his death, so there was a lot of people tweeting about it, and I didn't realise that. I just picked it up to read, and I was like, oh, what is this weird moment, you know, kind of thing, and you see, you'll see why, because basically the setup is Chastity and some of her friends are at a birthday party in a high-rise bar in Hamburg overlooking the water, and the hostage situation ensues. So obviously a nod to the fabulous Christmas movie Die Hard. And then, 
And it's a wonderful story that um, unfolds about what happens in the hostage situation, what the hostage takers want. There's a secondary storyline that actually goes back in the past to a young German going to Latin America and getting involved with the drug trade. So you obviously know there's a connection there that will come out down the track and how these things happen. It's just a really great book. Um, Simone is an amazing writer. I think I've called her, she's like the noir version of a jazz musician. She just has this energy and musicality to her writing that's a little off beat or off kilter, but brilliant. And, you know, um, she has a poetry to her writing, uh, and I won't say any more than that because I'll give away a little bit in the story, but literally poetry to her writing in some cases. Um, and it's just a really, really cool book. Rachel Ward does a fantastic job with the translation. I think it's the ninth in the series, but only the third or fourth that's in English. There was a few early ones that haven't been translated. And it kind of brings Char Charity's, Char sorry, Chastity's arc to um, kind of a new point as well. So Hodo Cartagena by the German bestseller Simone Bukov, translated by the wonderful Rachel. We're getting lots of comments from listeners about, you know, who wrote this book that we're talking about. All will be posted afterwards, we promise. It will be all over the social, so don't worry if you missed it. Uh, we will make sure you get the names of those books and authors. And I'm just a bit worried about how I'm going to read all of these things. We're only up to the <laughs> second round. <laughs> Io, what's your second book? My second book is by a gentleman called Will Dean, and it's called The Last Thing to Burn. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> exactly. Your oh, response yeah. to saying it all. Now, you know, <laughs> that was one of my, lots of people will have that one. Now, Will normally writes a series, the Tuba Moodison series, but this is his first standalone novel. And it basically, it's all about, you know, um, uh, uh, it's set in a remote farm filled with lingering dread. And it's all about this woman who's literally been kidnapped by her husband. And she's not literally not allowed to do anything by herself. And it's quite chilling. And this deception of human trafficking. And it's one of those books where on the one hand you, want to know what happens and on the other hand you're also afraid to turn the pages and it also does make you quite sorrowful when you're reading it and thinking it does you know when you think back of all this stuff that is happening to not solely women but to to people full stop but it's incredibly well written and incredibly moving and i would say even if you don't read his series read this this is, yeah, this is phenomenal, Io. And I, I spoke to Will and I just love, he lives in the middle of this forest in Sweden. It's just yeah. amazing. But that book, can I tell you, I read it in one sitting. I sat down at seven o'clock preparing to read for about 20 minutes. I did not leave the lounge until I finished it. Maybe I grabbed a cup of tea, but it was really fast. And at the end last page, I found myself at the actually the edge of my lounge. You know the cliche of edge of your seat? It, yeah. I was there, and that is it's one of the per my perfect books. Did you close down the place or? <laughs> oh, I couldn't, and then I think I cried. So, and then I went, Yes, to I did. I oh. did. It was just, you know, it was just one of those books that you think, My oh, God, cool. really? Yeah, it's brutal. Oh. Yeah, yeah, grabbed me by the heart and then threw it out the window. Exactly. <laughs> Great choice, Io. Sonia, what's up for you? Um, up next, I have something from Japan. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard this. Bingo! Is that a bingo? Uh, really? <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be a bingo. Anyway, so you, yeah, you guys really know this is quite a ride. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> so if, if you Google this book, the first thing that you'll find is the movie that's about to be released, or not, well, soon, with Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock. 
I would recommend you read the book rather, unless you're a fan of Brad Pitt and Sandra Bullock. But um, it's just a great book, which is wacky and absurd, and um, it's a it's an offbeat action crime thriller where everyone is trying to reach the end destination alive, and the only way they can do it is is by outwitting each other. Um, at times, you you kind of confused and think what's going on because it's just utter chaos at times but somehow it works um, and yeah, it's about five assassins on a high speed train from Tokyo to Morioka um, and uh, okay <laughs> triple bingo so, so yes um, it's just it's a fun read well it was for me it's, it's got a lot of humor in it um, it's not your typical Japanese crime thriller. It does have some quirkiness to it, but it's it's more like an American style, I think, action type, which is why it became a movie, obviously. Um, so yeah, it's it's humorous, it's entertaining, it's got a cast of crazy characters, and it's a fun read. Right. We've also got someone uh, watching right now, Grant, um, a huge listener of the podcast, who said Bullet Train's amazing, just finished it a couple of weeks ago and could not put it down. And Janet, thank you. She said she's loving this show. So I think we've all got our uh, online book orders at the ready to press uh, All right. Well, let's stop while we're on top, I guess, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, my next choice is Arsenic and Adobo by uh, Mia P. Manansala. And I'm not, just to be upfront, I'm not a cozy reader, but this book is the first in a new cozy series. And the protagonist is coming back home uh, after a bad breakup. And she gets involved in her family business, which is the restaurant business. And, uh, you know, she's getting dating advice from her aunt. It's very lighthearted, but funny, you know, lighthearted and funny, but also full of really three-dimensional characters. And I found myself um, really immersed in the world. And Mia's, Mia's prose is so thoughtful and well done. And of course, there's a murder, but it's a cozy, so it's not a gruesome, gritty murder. And she handles it really deftly. So I could tell, you know, she's a fan of the subgenre, and she executed it really well. And I, it, I finished it quickly. Now, you know, that's been the theme. You know, I read it quickly, and I was also eager for the next in the series, which was just announced. So yeah, I liked it a lot. I wasn't expecting to, I mean, I was expecting to like it because Mia is a friend, but it's not really my space usually. So I was happy to kind of get pulled into something different. Mm, books that surprise you. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. A quick question before we start with round three. Have we seen any trends <laughs> in 2021 of crime novels? Is there a trend happening that we've seen or noticed? Do you want to think about that question for a minute and come back to it? I don't want to call it a trend, but I want to see more of it, which is more diversity in terms of authors and their voices and sharing their stories. I, I hate to call it a trend, so I don't want to do that, but I think it's something that's important and should continue. And um, it's something we should, it's, I'm always mindful of when I'm reading a new author, like, is this a new voice and how can I, you know, better engage with different stories and different settings and different, you know, backgrounds. And that's just important. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I think it's getting better. It, it, it's getting better in here in the UK. It's not as good as it could be. Yeah. And I think in America, you are a, a step ahead of us when it comes to the number of black and minority writers that you have. But it is not as bad as it used to be, but it could be better. Yeah, it could always be better. I think there's always room for improvement. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's just, you know, the, the, the landscape is changing, which is good. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And needs to as well. Does anyone else want to chip into that question that I just hit you with? I, I agree with Alex. That's the biggest trend I've seen in the last few years in terms of it's long overdue. 
and it seems to be rapidly accelerating, but we're still playing catch up, but it's long overdue. And I mean, it's not, it's only a few years ago. Um, and I've, I and I've discussed this before, where Ira said to me after she went to a Batricon that she was the only black person in the room was her, Walter Mosley and, and Gary Phillips. And they were the only ones there out of like over a thousand people, you know, kind of thing. And, and that's only a few years ago. And now, you know, we've got Anna Kalak and Steph Char and Naomi Hirahara and Sean Cosby and Kelly Garrett and, Jones and, and it's just an endless, well, not endless, but it's an incredibly long list. There is no excuses not to be reading diversely because there is so much fucking great writing out there. So, uh, you can I say this is what this does, which is why I was so keen to do another Four Critics, Four Continents, because this is what we do here. Like, all the books that you bring to the table are just from such a diverse array of voices. So, I think this, this conversation is really important. And we're seeing more translated fiction too. Sonia's been great at picking up a lot of that, and some of the others of us have as well. But it is, you know, so it's not just um, ethnic diversity, there's like language diversity and different. For sure, yeah. And we're seeing more Japanese crime fiction, we're seeing more Latin American crime fiction. It's not just the Scandinavian translations, you know, and there's Italian. You know, your experience richer when you're reading these stories that aren't always your own. Mm. All righty. Had a few bingos. Let's see if we get some more. <laughs> yeah, there's, I, I have at least one or two other books that I think other people might go for as well. Um, but I, which one shall I go with this time? Um, I'm actually, I might kind of snake you, Danny, because I actually had this on my top five list to talk about. Is I'm going to talk about the Quiet People by Paul oh, Cleave. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm a long time admirer of Mr. Cleave. I think he's an absolutely outstanding writer. In fact. Three or four, a few years ago, I used to say that it was kind of him and Adrian McGinty with a uh, McGinty with the two authors who I thought were bloody outstanding. People who read their books loved them. Critics loved them. They won awards, but they just weren't widely like you didn't see them in bookshops a lot for whatever reason, you know, kind of thing. Then Adrian had the chain come, and that's been magnificent. Paul's a huge seller in France and Germany. Does well in other places, but his books are not that been available in the UK in bookshops for various reasons and he's been an Edgar shortlist he's won the knives three times he's won a French crime writing prize this is his I believe 12th novel and it's kind of cool it's a little bit meta and that it's um called the quiet people and it's about a crime writing duo a husband and wife team and uh they be they're kind of midlist authors so Paul gets a little bit out there about publishing and being a midlist author and going you know success and failure and all that kind of thing which is nice and they have a son who has some difficulties um kind of he's on the spectrum and stuff like that he's seven eight years old and he vanishes and at first you know the police and the public treat them as victims but very quickly within a day or so they're like hang on these are people who at festivals over the years have said we could get away with murder and it's all laughing and banter but obviously the laughing's cut out of the news clips that are shown of them saying that they're so much smarter than the cops at festivals and all this kind of stuff so the heat starts getting turned on them by the cops by the public by the media and everything else and in the midst of all this Cameron's trying to work out what the hell's happened to his son and where he's gone though can we trust Cameron because Paul's written unreliable narrative books before as well so can we trust them or not and it's just a hell of a ride and Paul is an amazing writer like I said about Stephen and we mentioned about Sean is that they just write their prose crackles like it crackles like a campfire there's this dark energy to it and it's just beautiful prose 
really tense story. He takes you to some really emotional places. Paul will take you to the edge and then nudge you a little further where you're kind of going, oh, you know, kind of thing, and then kind of pull you. And it all comes together beautifully, and he'll twist things, and you think you've seen it, you kind of see it, and then there's another twist. It's just that he's an outstanding bloody writer. He should be someone that's stacked high in every bookshop and people have really readable, easy access to. The Quiet People by Paul Cleave is currently out in New Zealand and is coming out in the UK, the US, and Australia later this year. I highly, highly recommend it. But in the meantime, I just read Whatever It Takes. Uh, Jack Heath sent it to me saying that I would love it and I absolutely adored it. It was another one where I just neglected my life to read it. While you wait, you can grab that one. That's the theme. (laughs) (laughs) Ignore your life, just read your book. Yeah. Uh, And, Craig, just what you were saying about his writing, I was just blown away. Like you said, we read a lot, but his writing not only does all what you say, but it is so clean. Like how does such clean writing do all of that? Like it just blows my mind. So, yeah, it's definitely stolen my heart in the writing sphere. And I spoke to him on the podcast, if you want to catch that, and we spent basically an hour just giggling, really. He's really funny. I listened to that interview last weekend. It's an amazing interview you guys had. That was really cool. <laughs> we spent most of it laughing and I had to edit it out because I didn't think that would be very exciting to listen to. Now, um, we've got some people saying, yes, Paul Cleave is great, loves selling his books. Uh, people are a bit scared of there to be red pile after this. He's wonderfully spoken about there, getting a bit of anxiety about that. Um, and people are just, yep. They are, and someone said, Craig introduced me to Paul Cleave. That was Janet. So great stuff. And this is this is what yeah, we do here. Amazing. <laughs> Fiona has quoted us. We're going to get this on a T-shirt. Ignore your life. Read a book. <laughs> and much, much love to Janet in California. <laughs> <laughs> and Io, what have you got up? Book three. Book three is called the, the Oxford Brotherhood. And it is, think, um, Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland. Ooh. Now, it is by a gentleman called Gulmero Martinez, and he did, he's, he's written two other books. The, um, the first one being, I've got my, some notes here, called The Book of Murders, and then The Oxford Murders, which was made into a film. But this one features um, what, a relationship, what happened to the relationship between Lewis Carroll and Alice Liddell. And it says it's about a, an Argentinian math, math, mathematics student because the author has a PhD in mathematics and, and in Oxford in 1994. And you're drawn into this mystery through his mentor's involvement in an academic society of Lewis Carroll's Lewis Carroll admirers. And I hate the phrase literary thriller, but this fits. And there's lots of mathematics in it, and you have to read it really, really carefully. But it's also a fascinating mystery, and they've got all these elements of the, you know, the, the strange, quirky world of Alice in Wonderland. All of it fits into this book. Wow. And all of it makes you think, wow, what's happening? Because you've also got that Oxford atmosphere as well, and this is absolutely brilliant. And I nearly missed it, because it came out earlier this year. And it was literally just by off chance I found it, and I thought, yes, I've got to read it. And yes, this is one of my favorite books this year. Can I have a look? So at glad the you said that about literary thrillers. Mm, great, yeah, literary thriller. What more do you want? That's I cool. know. I hate the term, but yeah, yeah me too. Fits, yeah. but and this certainly fits it. Yeah, yeah. By 
Wilmero Martinez. We don't care about that stuff here, literary or commercial. We just care it's going to get you by the heart, sit you down on the lounge, make you ignore your life, and I don't care what people call it. (laughs) If it makes you ignore your life, it's a good book. That's it. That should be a new genre. Literary, gym, commercial fiction, ignore your life, neglect your family genre. (laughs) Yeah. Close down the coffee shop. (laughs) Just invented a new genre. Sonia, hit me with your third book. Okay, my third book, Craig mentioned the Scandinavian translations and I try to steer clear of them this time because I tend to veer towards the Scandinavian and I intentionally try to pick books that are from different countries. But this one, I let this one slip and it's um, Karen Smirnoff's My Brother. Um, For this one, I'll make an exception because there are so many excellent Scandinavian on the market, but it takes a, a really special one to stand out from the crowd, and I think this is it. Um, it's the way it is written. Um, it it tackles very complex and difficult subjects in a really um, sensitive manner. So it's about it's a trilogy basically, um, and it's about Yana Kipu, who is a character that goes home and goes and lives with a twin brother in the remote in a very remote Swedish town um, and then they have to deal with all their um, history, their family history. So it's about family secrets, it's about isolated living and the results of it and um, the destructive nature of this kind of life. So um, I would really recommend it. It sounds, it there are difficult topics that she um, addresses but uh, you shouldn't let that put you off um it's it's well worth a read and um yeah i can recommend it it's a it has a quite disconcerting quality in both the writing style and the way that the story is told so that's it's quite good wonderful just to reassure our uh watchers our viewers uh all authors books we'll try and get some covers as well out on the website and on the socials so you won't miss any of the authors and uh, books we're talking about but we are trying to do a quick round robin to squeeze in as many books as we can but we promise to share the list with you afterwards very soon after this uh this show alex third book all right i'm, I'm trying to play the game and not not have any repeats but i i think this might be one uh my choice is uh, bathhouse by pj vernon which came out very recently and i was lucky enough to read it early it's about oliver who's a uh, He's a recovering addict and he's just fallen into this relationship with an older surgeon named Nathan and they've built this very pleasant, you know, very idyllic life together and um, Oliver falls into some bad habits and uh, something happens at the, you know, titular bathhouse and it's, I love it because it's, it's noir at its finest and noir to me takes characters and puts them in situations that they have to dig their way out of and they usually don't find a way out. It's a, it's a very... You know, I think um, marketing has overused the term. So now people see it as interchangeable with mystery or crime. And noir is a very kind of specific novel. It's it's about, um, quote unquote, good people being forced to do bad things out of desperation or some primal need. And, and to me, Bathhouse epitomizes that in a very modern way. And I love that it doesn't just default, you know, so many times it, it you know it has lgbtq characters of course and it's a diverse cast and not everyone is a good person you know it, everyone's complicated everyone has flaws everyone does bad things and i found it to be a really compulsive read and uh pj is a fantastic writer 
That sounds wonderful. Is that anyone else had that on the list? I saw Aya nodding. No, no, no. I saw the team. I'm, I'm, I'm nodding because it's a book. I think I'm going to have to add to my TV up. I, I think you'll like it. It's a quick read, too. It's only recently come out in the States, so I haven't actually, so I haven't got a copy yet, but it's on my, I am going to read that this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love it. Great. Book four. Look, we're smashing this. Uh, well, there's one that I was kind of expecting to have come out by now, probably by Iro, maybe by Alex, but it hasn't. But just in case, because I don't want it to not get mentioned if we're just kind of all focusing on other things. Is this Tell one here? Me. Oh Green my girl. god, it was my next one! <laughs> me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't want to like, just in case we're all like waiting for someone else to talk about it. Go on. Just make it let's just make this the dream girl sequence, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> we'll hold it up so someone can get a screenshot. We'll all hold it up. <laughs> oh, my, my galley's over there. I don't know. Oh, okay. There you go. So, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> for me... Laura Lippman is one of the modern queens of crime writing. If we're doing a four modern queens like, you know, Christy Marsh Sayers, et cetera, then obviously it's Val McDermott and Sarah Paretsky and let's have a debate about the other two. And I would put Laura there personally. Oh, I definitely. She has been... 100%. 20, yeah. 30 years. And she's written this amazing Private Eye series. She's won every award you can win in America for her writing because it's that damn good. And... Then she's kind of in the last few years, she's just started concentrating on a whole lot of really interesting standalones. And each one is incredibly different to the one before. And we go back to like Wild Lake and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff. And then there was um, Sunburn. And then there was Lady in the Lake. And I think I might have missed one there as well. And Lady in the Lake uh, was brilliant. It was one of my best books of that year. And that had a huge cast of characters and two main voices, but a lot of vignettes of other voices. And this one's gone completely in the other direction and is an intensely claustrophobic book. If you like the claustrophobia of Last Thing to Burn by Will Dean, you will also really love this. Because it's about a guy called Jerry Anderson, who's a writer, and he's a literary writer, and he's a bit of a stuck-up twat and stuff like that. He's had some success and stuff like that. He has an injury. He is stuck in his apartment in Baltimore. He has a night nurse and an assistant who come and help them. They're the only people he sees. And then he starts getting phone calls from a character from his famous book that he made famous. And there's all this mystery about who was inspired this character. Is this person real? Is it a figment of his imagination? Is he starting to get dementia or Alzheimer's? Is it the drugs in his system? And then it's an incredibly intense, claustrophobic thriller just basically set in one apartment. Laura is a magnificent writer, like some of the other authors we've talked about, just great sentences, flows beautifully. So it's not, it's one of those things like a lot of, you know, it's not obvious that she's like flourishing with her writing, but she just really is. It's just amazing. I cannot recommend Laura Lippmann enough and I cannot recommend this book enough. Dream Girl, Laura Lippmann, you definitely yeah. want to read this one. <laughs> and I think you mentioned Laura Lippmann last time too, Craig, I'm sure of it. Uh, I know, yeah, I'll probably talk to you about her when we've maybe done an interview about her. I think she's amazing. Last year, she didn't. I think Lady in the Lake was the year before. Oh, okay. So we didn't talk about it for four critics last year, but I've definitely talked about it before. Yeah. <laughs> and Janet has said, of course, of course, Linda. And Linda Lee has said, dream girl, yes, with lots of little claps after it. So they're in agreement with you. So it was like a bingo, 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 bingo. <laughs> Whammy across the board with the audience as well. There you go. <laughs> Tic-tac-toe. Three out of four. Bingos <laughs> yeah. with the viewers too. That's fantastic. Io, book four. Um, I'm going with True Crime Story by Joseph Knox. Ooh. Now, 
this story, when you read it, it's all about this girl who, who, who disappears. And then there's another girl who tries to work out what happened to her. But you've also got Joseph involved in this investigation. So it's a bit of a blend of like true facts and, and, and the story. And um, you kind of like, well, what happens to these to those girls who go missing? And what happens to the, to Zoe, the Zoe Nolans of the world? And we've got in the early hours of Saturday, the 17th of December, 2011, Zoe Nolan, a 19-year-old Manchester University student. That kind of like spooked me out a bit because my niece went to Manchester University and I thought, no, 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 this is not happening. <laughs> um, walked out of a party taking, um, taking place in the shared accommodation where she had been living for three months. She was never seen again. Seven, seven years after her disappearance, struggling writer Evelyn Mitchell finds herself drawn into the mystery. Through interviews with Zoe's closest friends and family, she begins to pierce together what really happened in 2011. But where some versions of events overlap, aligning perfectly with one another, others stand in stark contrast, giving rise to troubling inconsistencies. Um, shaken by the revelations of Zoe's secret life and stalked by a figure from the shadows, Evelyn turns to crime writer Joseph Knox, who is the author of the book, to help make sense of a case where everyone has something to hide. Zoe Nolan may be missing, presumed dead, but her story is only just, only just the beginning. And when I was talking to Joseph about this book, because when I, I interviewed him and um, Oliver Norick, one of the things he was saying was that when he was writing the book, if you, when, when you read it, you, you get all these um, email conversations, and text messages. And, and sometimes you think, is this actually true? Or is this actually a story? Because there's literally at the front of the book, and I'm not going to read the disclaimer up, but there's a disclaimer at the front of the book where Joseph says something along the lines of, my publishers are saying they don't want to have anything to do, anything more to do with me after this book. And it was frighteningly scary. And one couldn't really make, I couldn't really make out the first time I read it, whether this is actually true to life. It was only after I'd spoken to Joseph, I realized, no, 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 this is not true to life, that phrase, that disclaimer. However, the book itself is one of those books where you think to yourself, what actually happened to this girl? And how did Joseph and Evelyn Mitchell become so entwined with one another? Because it gets to the stage where they, he literally has to cut her off. And then in the end, he starts feeling guilty about cutting her off. And what happens? Wow. Sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sonia, book four. I think we're going to get to book five, everyone. So this is a good one. Oh, I so. <laughs> okay, I'll talk first. Um, <laughs> my next one, my next one is, is a book I think that um, went below the radar, or maybe I'm just moving in the wrong circles. Um, but it's Diamond Hill by Kit Phone. I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, probably. Um, and it's about a heroin addict that goes to Diamond Hill, which is a real neighborhood or used to be a real neighborhood in Hong Kong in the, in the 80s. Um, and basically, this neighborhood was a slum at that time. And before, in the 1950s, it used to be uh, known as the Hollywood of the Orient. And this is the place where all the Bruce Lee movies were made and where lots of these movies were set. So it's based in reality, which makes it interesting. And the author himself he lived close to this neighborhood. So, and you can feel it in the way that he's, he's depicting his characters. Um, they are extremely vivid. Um, and basically this 
um, heroin addict is um, hiding or living in a nunnery in the middle of the slum. So this is his story, and it's also the story of the people that live there, and they are going to be displaced because um, the whole slum will be removed and will be replaced with new skyscrapers. So the neighborhood will be destroyed. Um, it's just, it's probably the book that I've read this year so far, which has the best sense of place. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's, I wish it would get a bit more exposure, actually. So um, I'd really recommend that you have a look at it. Mm, sounds wonderful. Now, for our viewers who have stayed the way with us and uh, will stay the way for at least the five books, and then maybe a quick, like, talking really fast wrap-up of books that you might have missed out talking about. But if any viewers have any books that you have absolutely loved this year or are really excited to read, throw them in the comments and I'll read them out at the end. Alex, book four. Book four. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it keep it different, but... um. The discussion of setting is so true. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I used to write a PI series, and um, I love the genre, obviously. Laura Lipman is on my Mount Rushmore of PI writers and just writers in general. But my choice here is Runner by Tracy Clark, which is the latest in her Cass Rains PI series about a, a black Chicago homicide cop turned PI. And the thing that, the thing that Tracy does so well is... And what I love about PI novels and crime novels in general is the sense of setting and the sense of exploring a city and not just getting the tourists kind of one-on-one, but actually being taken to the places and corners of a city that you wouldn't see as a tourist, that you're getting the real native experience of what it's like to live in Chicago for better or for worse. And, um, you know, it has a lot of the elements that classic PI fiction has, you know, the missing child, the uh, problematic mother trying to reclaim her, you know, reclaim her place with the family. But Tracy does it so smartly. She adds so many unique twists to it that it makes it really compelling. And I, I think it's just a, the series as a whole, you know, I'm, a, I'm an in-order reader when it comes to PI series. I have to start from the first one. And I've been reading the cast book since the beginning. And this is by far the best, which is saying a lot. Wow, fantastic couple of, uh, just so we don't get too caught up at the end, a couple of suggestions here. Ashley's got I Love Digging Up Dirt by Pamela Hart. A New Zealand author, Jacqueline Bublitz, Before You Knew My Name. We've got a couple of agreements on that. Uh, Fiona Lynch's Murder on the Menu. And um, a great Japanese author, Natsuo Carino, Out, which someone read recently and loved. And Tusad by Belinda Lyons-Lee. It's not really crime, but reviewed as crime by some. That's Jill Sell. Fiona's excited for J.P. Pomare's new novel, The Last Guest. I just received that. I've just started it, so it looks amazing. So I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I read, and uh, Kirsten's, I read Charity Norman's The Secrets of Strangers and more recently Nikki Crutchley's third book, The Murder Club. Both books are amazing. And Sandy Barker, I love discovering new crime films and always start at the beginning too. So there's some suggestions from our viewers. Keep them coming. Book five. We'll make this the last book that we talk about with some depth. And then afterwards, yeah. do, uh, you quickly just have 30 seconds to sprout at all the books you didn't get to speak about. <laughs> book five, great. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at three different ones I had down here and I'm um, kind of thinking maybe I should have left Laura Littman to one of the other two. Then I could have talked about <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's the game. That's how it was. Um, I just wanted to like say a shout out to both Charity and um and Nikki Crutchley, uh, so Charity Norman and Nikki Crutchley, who just got mentioned by both Kiwi authors, they were both just yesterday longlisted for the Naya Marsh Award. Um, so both of those books actually came out last year. They were both just longlisted for the Naya Marsh Award yesterday. 
So congratulations to both of them. They're both very good books. Right. Uh, one, two, three. Oh, bugger it. Let's go with this one. Nancy Business by RWR McDonald. It's an Australian, uh, it's a New Zealander based in Australia and a Kiwi in Melbourne. And he won the Naya Marsh Award for Best First Novel last year for a book that came out the year before. And this is the sequel to that. And this is about an adolescent Asian New Zealand girl called Tippi Chan. So her father's Chinese and stuff. So she's a Chinese New Zealander. And her father dies in a car crash. And then um, it's, it's quite, it's a small town mystery. The Nancy's is because her and her gay uncle from Sydney and his boyfriend who come to look after her in the first book called The Nancy's set up kind of a, a mystery solving club just to kind of get her through her grief and because it's fun and she loves they all love Nancy Drew books. And then her teacher ends up getting murdered and of course they try and solve that in real life and that's the first book. Now this one happens a few months later. It's the anniversary of her father's death um, and then a bomb goes off in their town and everyone thinks it's the local florist that's done it, but there's some things about why did he do it or did he really do it? Is someone else involved? Is there a second bomber? Is the threat still out there? And the Nancy's have to deal with that. The couple from Sydney, her uncle, who kind of looks like, you know, Santa Claus, and then his fashionista boyfriend, um, are kind of on the rocks and having trouble because of the grief caused by the first case. So it's an incredibly funny book. There are so many laugh out loud moments. And yet it's a really deep kind of meditation on grief and loss and death. At the same time, as being incredibly funny it's like this camp riot dealing with some amazing serious issues but it was such a light touch um rw mcdonald or rob has just a really great tone which is incredibly difficult to strike and it can he does it so well and so smoothly i think you may not realize how tricky what he's done is it's a really cool book it's out in australia and new zealand now paperback i believe you can get an audiobook perhaps ebook overseas but if you're in Australia and New Zealand, you definitely want to get this. And if you're overseas, maybe see if you can get it on audiobook. Those characters, Craig, the uncles particularly, I just adore, yeah. adore them so much. Love it. Yeah. I know, book five. Book five. Now, it is called Edge of the Grave by um, Robin Morrison. And it's an historical book. And I quite like historical crime. And it's also a debut. And this book has already been um, long listed for, for the McIlvenny Prize as well as being shortlisted for the Bloody Scotland debut novel. And I've read it actually kind of like three times because I'm also reading it for the Historical Writers Association debut crown, which I chair. And it's set in Glasgow in 1932. And, in the, and it's all about an um, influential shipbuilder who's found with, with his throat cut. And you've got this um, police inspector who has to look for the answers. Uh, but it's in this dark murky underworld and as um alex was talking about noir earlier on this is very very noir it is dark it is broody it is wonderfully written but it's also quite brutal and you have this police officer trying to work his way through gang gang gangland glasgow with severe difficulties and it's an absolutely fascinating novel and for a novel that is a debut it just makes one sit back and think and say, wow. Okay. Sorry, my mute was having issues. Sonia, <laughs> five, five. I was wondering what's happening there. It just got so quiet. 
Was it me? <laughs> okay, for my last one, I have to sneak in a South African novel um, because there are so few of them that are available worldwide at the moment. Um, and that's Young Blood by Sufisu Mzobe. I don't have the book itself, so this is what the cover looks like. Very basic. Um, it was originally published in 2010 in South Africa, and now thanks to a US publisher, Catalyst, it's available worldwide. And it's a part coming-of-age novel, part crime fiction, and it tells the story of a young man who lives in Umlazi, which is a township um, just outside Durban with about 400,000 people. So this tells the story of his um, yeah, growing into a crime syndicate and a car hijacking syndicate. And um, it's a very short book. It's 220 pages, but it just perfectly captures the atmosphere and the conditions in that township life and it does it in such a way that it's it's not judgmental and it's unapologetic and it's really honest um, and it's actually very enjoyable to read and I would recommend it especially if you're interested in South African crime fiction. Fantastic book five. Alex, book five. Book five. My fifth book is called Walking Through Needles and it's a debut by Heather Levy and how can I how can I talk about this book? If if you're a fan of early Gillian Flynn, um, standalone era, you know Megan Abbott, more recent Megan Abbott, this is probably for you. It's about this woman who is abused as a teenager in her rural Oklahoma town, and she has to almost kind of take on the role of amateur investigator to exonerate her stepbrother when that abuser later on when she is older as an adult when the abuser is, is murdered um and in the process she has to kind of re-examine her own life and her own town and her own you know the people around her and she uncovers a lot of uncomfortable and really painful secrets and uh you know like the other black girl it just felt very very confident and as as a debut, it felt, you know, it didn't feel like a first book. And that to me is always a good sign when it, it comes through and it's very, it's, it's a powerful read. It's an uncomfortable read in the best way. Uh, you know, it's, it's not something you want to read if you're squeamish, but it's also impactful and it felt important. So I really liked it. Mm, I love that description. Now, before we head to, I'll get you to do a 30 second wrap up books. I didn't get a chance to talk about you're on the clock. While you get your thoughts organised, a couple of things from readers. It's a good time here in Australia. So I think in Australia and New Zealand, we've got our most uh, viewers at the moment. Hopefully everyone can watch this later from the other continents. So Linda Lee, The Nancys was a lot of fun. Sandy says Fiona Leach's Dead in Venice was a hilarious metafiction crime thriller. We have uh, Kirsten buying books on the Kindle as we speak. We've got Janet saying Richard Osmond's The Man Who Died Twice. She was very surprised at how much she loved it. Madeline loved the Nancys. Danuka loved the Nancys and the Nancy business. And we have uh, Janet saying Ivy Pakoda. These women was one of her favourites from last year. And Linda Lee says, not new, but Chris Whitaker's We Begin at the End was fantastic. And again, Fiona, I'm currently reading Nancy Business, loving it. So a lot of love for you right there. So uh, Craig, do this lovely wrap up for us of books you didn't get a chance, but still love. Well, I think I would like to do two rounds of this, each for 30 seconds or so each. I think we've got time. Where we can talk about... No, but where we can do books we've loved that are already out for okay. the first round we didn't get to, and then All the right. second round we do 
books that we either have read that are coming out later in the year, because a lot of us read in advance, that we're like, recommending people right. pre-order. One of the things I love about you is you can never say anything for 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> He'll no, try. Um, <laughs> uh, there are books that some of us would have talked about, but they're not out till next month or something, so we haven't. So I'd like to do one round of books we haven't, that we love that are out and one round of books we think people should keep an eye out for. Whatever you like, Craig, let's do this. Round one, Craig, 30 seconds, his greatest challenge of all time. Okay, I'm just going to say three books then. I'm going to say Exit by Belinda Bauer, which is an amazing book. Uh, Belinda's just a fantastic writer. It's about, and then I'm going to say Falling by TJ Newman, which was a debut, just an incredibly intense airport thriller a really cool commercial book, but it's got a lot more going on than you think. And then I'm going to say The Cut by Christopher Brookmeyer, which is a terrific book from an amazing Scottish writer that actually delves into horror filmmaking and has a really unlikely duo of an elderly person and a young person teaming up. Love it. I O. Okay, I've got two books. I haven't got three. I've got Slough House by Mick Heron. So if you've been reading the, the um, Slough House series, you will love this one. And this has got more to do with um, the, in, the aftermath of the Novacek poisoning. And you know what Mick is like. He, he's very up on point, very up to date. And he ha- you have this laugh up moments. My second book is called Murder, the Biography. And it's not strictly a crime book. It's more about the history of the law of murder in the UK. And the way it is written, it is very, very readable it takes you from where the um, law of murder starts and how it's progressed and it's very up to date and it covers quite a lot of recent cases and it's by a lady called Kate Morgan so if you're history if you're interested in the history of murder and the way it has changed along the years and all the different cases that has come have come into it pick up this book fantastic thank you Sonia your turn um my yeah I've also got a few, but first is um, Sarah Blau's The Others. Um, she's an Israeli author, and I really enjoyed it because she takes the social expectations to have children and turns it into a crime fiction novel about serial killers. It just it worked for me. Um, and then Little Rebel by Jerome Leroy, which is out now. I think we just made the cut. Um, very short, 77. 77 pages so it's a quick read and I highly recommend it um, and then I think I'll take well I have four Heatwave by Victor Justin which is also a French author and it's also a very short novel so actually those two count as one and then we'll carve as the Beresford I can also recommend so that's my list thanks right. Sonia I think you've realized that there are no rules here <laughs> yeah no, I've given up I just want to preface this by saying I'm all about preparation so I did not prepare a list that of books that have not come out so I'm not gonna I'm gonna carve out my own path but um I just want to echo Sean Cosby's Razorblade Tears and Laura Lippman's Dreamgirls I love both of those authors I think both books are fantastic and they would have made the list uh, if Somebody hadn't beaten me to it, but um, a few rural noirs I loved. Chris Ophitz, Killing Hills. He's done a lot of memoir and a lot of literary stuff, but this is his first crime novel, and it's fantastic. Another, uh, Laura McHugh's What's Done in Darkness. It's just a great noir set in the Ozarks. Um, 
Jonathan Ames, The Man Called Doll is a really classic feeling L.A. noir. But, you know, Ames has done a bunch of television and other novels, and it feels very modern and of the moment, which is great. Um, Fabian Nicieza's Suburban Dicks is a funny debut. Uh, Fabian's written a lot of comic books like X-Force and X-Men and Captain Marvel. And this is his first mystery novel. And it's it's hilarious. It's well plotted. It's well crafted. He's great. And last but not least is a uh, a spy thriller, Paul Vidic's uh, The Mercenary. I love his work. Um, I reread The Good Assassin recently. He just writes great spy thrillers in the in the vein of Le Carre and, and other classical uh, you know, spy writers, but I loved it. So I've gone over, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone has, it's, it's how, we, how we roll here. Okay, good. <laughs> right, round two, before we head off, let's go. Um, okay. Uh... Oh, so these are books that are coming out later this year. Sure, you made the rules, Yeah, so I'm going to make... You can follow your rules. ...already by a couple of people, but she's outstanding, just an outstanding, outstanding American author. This is a psychological thriller set in a ballet school. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, Megan Abbott. Sorry? I said the Megan Abbott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm jealous. August, I think, at some point. Um, now, I was going to say The Dark Remains by Ian Rankin and William McIlvenny, which I just read last weekend, and it's outstanding. Oh, this is a oh stop. Sorry, what's that? I, I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I won't jealous. Too much. Yeah, yeah doubly so, jealous here. It was started by the great, the late, great William McIlvenny, who's the godfather of Tata Noir, who wrote the Laidlaw trilogy in the 1970s that pretty much influenced Val McDermott's niece minor, Ian Rankin, and all the other Scottish writers that have followed. He wrote a partial manuscript before he passed away in 2015, and last year Ian Rankin got asked to take a look at it and see what he could do with it. And it's a, a short but very cool novel. It's a couple hundred, like 200-something pages. It's really good. It's, it's kind of... it's a a prequel to the Laidlaw trilogy set in 1972, Glasgow. It's outstanding. Uh, also, yeah, definitely get The Last Guest by J.P. Murray. He's one of the most outstanding new voices in Australia and New Zealand crime fiction. He's a Maori New Zealander who lives in Melbourne. And this is a brand new author to me. Uh, it's called Private Prosecution by Lisa Allery. I believe it comes out in Australia in September. And she's a new debut author. And I had the chance, I actually read this many months ago because um, weirdly the quote on the cover is actually from me. <laughs> I, did you know? I, um, I didn't know they were going to do that, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. It's always cool when that happens. I love that, Greg. Well, thank you. That was wonderful. Io, do you have anything to add to this conversation? Yes, I have got three books and I will be incredibly quick. The first one is called um, The Wrong Goodbye by a Japanese author called Toshihiko Yagahari, and it's a classic slice of Japanese hard-boiled noir paying homage to the master of the genre, of course, Raymond Chandler. You can take it from the title. The second one is Turf, World, Turf Wars by Oliver Norek. I mean, I mentioned The Lost and the Damned last time we were doing this. Yeah. And um, for Alex, if he doesn't know, Oliver Norek um, is a former police officer. He wrote for the television series Spiral. Absolutely stunningly well-written book, and they just page turners and lastly but no means least is a book called Sunset Swing by Ray Celestine um when his first book came out it was absolutely brilliant I think it won the CWA was it the historical dagger or the debut I can't remember which but it has um Louis Armstrong as a main as a character and it was supposed to be a trilogy but now it's going to be a quartet 
and those are my three books. Wow, fantastic. Thank you. Sonia? Um, uh, I've also got the wrong goodbye, so snap there. Um, then I'm looking forward to reading uh, How to Kidnap the Rich. It's, it's out already, so it doesn't really count. Sorry, Craig. Um, and otherwise, um, Intimacies by Katie Kimura is out later this year. Clark and Division by Naomi Rao. Um, April in Spain by John Banville is also on my list. Um, and then there's also The Secret Lives of Writers by Guillaume Musso, which is a French author. So that's just my quick list. Fantastic. I love that. Fantastic. And Alex? Uh, my list is not quick, but I will try to be brief. Uh, I'm looking forward to the new Megan Abbott. That is a, a literary event for me whenever she has a new book. Uh, I'm also looking forward to The Missing Hours by Julia Dahl, who uh, wrote an, a great series set in New York. And uh, this is her first standalone, I believe. And uh, she's a fantastic writer. A few other series books that I'm looking for that I've read and enjoyed. Uh, Larry, uh, Laurie King's uh, latest Mary Russell book, Castle Shade. Walter Mosley wrote an Easy Rollins book, Blood Grove. I also really loved Light Seekers. I know that came up earlier. And um, Michael Nava's latest Henry Rios book, The Burning Plane, was fantastic. Just a really great series. Um, and Carolyn Kepnes's You Love Me, which is part of the You series, which is also a TV show on Netflix. Just a really page-turning stuff. So, yep. Fantastic. I'd just like to add a slight announcement, and people can probably see the red-covered book behind my shoulder. is Winter Counts by David Hesker, Wombly Wyden, which I talked about last year, um, and uh, Steph Char raved about as well. Um, that book is now coming out in Australia, New Zealand, and the UK later this year. It was only Fantastic. Fantastic. So, so that's one for everyone outside of the US to look forward to later this year. You will be able to get it everywhere else um, in the English world. Um, and so I think it's September in the UK and potentially October, November in Australia, New Zealand, Winter Counts. That's a must read. It's a great book. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, viewers, wherever you're tuning in or wherever you, you will tune in, either watching this live stream or listening as a podcast. It was lovely to engage with you, to hear your enthusiasm as well about books. And, you know, the you, you guys here, you four critics are just amazing. You're so enthusiastic about the books. You bring so much to the table, so much to all of our to-be-read uh, piles that are ever-growing. And uh, we appreciate that greatly. I didn't know if we could top last year's, but I, we absolutely did. So thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. And I guarantee that I there will be a Four Critics, Four Continents Part 3. I don't know when, but I guarantee well, that we'll do this again. Point of, order, point of order, Danny, weren't we going to see if we might do five? Yes, might be five. Bring the party down as the new person. <laughs> not <laughs> not, at, not, not at all. Hopefully you'll see the four of us and perhaps someone from Latin America or, or Asia. Yes, well. we're always trying to expand um, what we read and what we recommend to people. And like we said before, very importantly, trying to expand those diverse voices. So we are in the background trying to expand our, our continents and our critics, and we'll see how we go with that. But as always, thank you so much. Brilliant crime critics it always bring so much to the table. Uh, Craig, Io, Sonia, Alex, thank you so much for taking time out today. And like I said, live stream available always on the Facebook page and as a podcast, wherever you are in your corner of the world. World. please stay safe the best advice i can give you is to ignore your life grab that book and just read it happy reading everyone Come thank on. you so Come much <laughs> take care
Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.